Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Welcome in, guys. It is 7.30 on the dial. We are on time, and it is May 3rd and Tuesday, May 3rd. Scott, how you doing? Happy Tuesday to you, and... uh Man, I'm I'm feeling a little more rested today than yesterday, which is good. And, and I'm I'm thinking it's the the old guy in me. It's like it's not the day after that hurts so much. It's now it's the day after the day after. Yeah. So it's like God. you're still kind of delirious the next day. So I feel more tired today than I did yesterday. I don't I don't know why. I uh, you know, but that that window from like 10 a.m. to two on a Thursday, man, I'm hell. I am good to go. Yeah. God. The. <laughs> I'm telling you, my eyeballs were pulsating yesterday. I could just feel them in my head, looking at screens so long and just constantly doing. It. I did. I lost my voice Sunday after being live for what was it, 16 hours this weekend. But uh, feeling good, feeling excited. Let's say hello to some people in here. Uh, Mile High Truth's in here. What's up, everybody? Not too much. Mile High Truth. Ethan's in the house. Good morning, gents in Broncos country. Good to see you, Ethan. Uh, EJ saying good morning, Nick and Scott in Broncos country. Awesome to see you, US Dave. Morning, people. Good morning to you, uh, US Dave. Uh, Jeremy's in the house. Good morning, Broncos for breakfast fam. E, congrats on your jersey. Very well deserved. Yeah, E, uh, very much. Uh, congrats on your jersey. Um, sorry it couldn't be a linebacker pick for you, but, you know, uh, maybe next year. Um, also, uh, we have Sean Burns coming in saying good morning. Big E Bronco, good morning. And EJ saying good morning. So uh, welcome in. Um, if you guys haven't done so yet, if you're joining us on Facebook, make sure you click the thumbs up. And I'm assuming if you guys are all in here on the YouTube side of things that you are already subscribed to our channel. But if you haven't done so yet, uh, make sure you do so. Um, we are fan funded and that uh, helps us a heck of a lot. So send thank it you to guys. a friend. Yeah, send it to a friend. So yesterday um, we talked mainly the Broncos day two selections of Nick Benito at 64 and the uh, Greg Dulcich pick at 80. Uh, Scott, let's tie a little bit of bow on that. After sleeping on it for another day, you have any more thoughts on those selections specifically? Uh, and also, I wouldn't mind talking about the uh, George Payton, you know, wheeling, de- wheeling and dealing, uh, moving down from 96 to get a fifth round pick and a Colts 2023 third round pick. So, uh, putting a bow on it, day two, yes, day two of the Broncos draft. How you f- let's put a grade on it and any other thoughts that stick out. Uh, again, on on uh, the 64 pick, again, you're picking at 64. You know, yeah. I, I kind of used the reference yesterday. It's like, you know, when you get stuff early as a Christmas present or a, a, a birthday present or something, you come around and when Christmas comes and your birthday comes, you're like, you're still disappointed. You're still, you yeah. still have that anticipation that I'm going to get something because that's how you're conditioned. So when you're not picking till 64, yes, you already got Russell Wilson and that's awesome. But still draft day still feels like a little bit of a letdown. Um, no matter who you got at that point, honestly, yeah. um, that said, you know, I, I went through some players that I think I probably would have rather had at the 64 spot, um, going down. I liked, uh, you know, Chad Muma, Abraham Lucas would have been my pick in that spot more than likely. Um, let me see Travis Jones. If he get a, if he has a clean bill of health and I might've gone offensive tackle Bernard Raymond too, yeah. um, in those spots there. Um, I think Greg Dulcich is a spot on 
uh, look-alike to James Franco, a young James Franco with the long oh, hair, yeah. like Pineapple <laughs> Express days. Yeah. Um, that's That was my big takeaway yesterday, just right on the money. Um, but, you know, he's he's going to get a chance to play, to play early. And uh, Albert Okawebenam is on notice for, you know, the first pass-catching option out of the tight end spot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we need to come up with, like, a good uh... – like porn star nickname for Dulcich with that hair and the like seventies style and the mustache and everything. Um, well, since you brought it up, I th- I was always told it was uh, your first pet and the street you grew up on. Oh yeah, and mine is just world class. Except I'm a dude. Um, it was Squeaky Beaver. Oh my god, you can't. <laughs> that can't be real. I had a hamster in second grade, and uh, I grew up on Beaver Dam Lane. Wow, beat that. You can't. I'm. I'm actually. I'm not typically at a loss for words, but um, <laughs> Squeaky Beaver does it. Uh, my God. Um. Okay. Wow. We're gonna have to. It's getting hot in here. Um. Yeah, e. Jeremy. All shiny now again. <laughs> uh. Jeremy coming in saying this draft feels like it's recouping our losses. Uh. Vaughn to Benito, Fanta Dulcich, Shelby to Awuzarike, and Fuller and Callahan to Mathis. Yeah. Definitely patching some holes of some areas on this Broncos roster. Um. And you make a good point here. Like any edge rusher the Broncos were going to get at 64 was going to have some inherent flaw because edge rushers that don't have flaws go in the top 10. Heck, the edge rushers that don't have flaws go in the first round. Uh, this year is a little bit different as guys that I really valued in Mafe and Ebiketti still fell uh, to day two. But um, yeah, you're going to get a somewhat flawed prospect there at 64. The thing that the thing that leaves me a little bit just uh, like, darn it, is... Drake Jackson. I had Drake Jackson a obvious tier above uh, Nick Benito, given his movement skills, given his size, given his length. Uh, I think he profiles much better as a three down player. Has work to do as well, flawed as well. But I think because of the body type, he can actually project as a true three down player. That's not going to be detrimental. Where Benito, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to do that. He might actually have to move to an off ball role uh, to to live on first and second downs. On which you can do. You see Micah Parsons doing that, but Micah Parsons is a little bit of a unicorn too. So. Again, 64, you're getting – what are we getting at 64 for sure? Dynamic athleticism, mm-hmm. dynamic speed rush from the wide technique, tenacity, um, versatility, because uh, he can drop into coverage pretty darn well, actually. I was impressed with that. You had and, me at pass rush, honestly, yeah. at 64. Yep, and, and you know? uh, but it's not just the type of pass rush. You know, like the pick right after Benito went was uh, Alex Wright. You know, he's pass rush, but he's 6'7", 270. You know, it's a different kind. With Benito, it's that finesse speed rush, and it's also – bending the corner and he really can bend that corner uh you know change that direction that angle to the quarterback as well as a speed rusher from that wide technique so that's not a bad get at 64 maybe he's never more than a designated designated pass rusher but at 64 if you're if there's any position in all of football where you're going to take somebody who is a designated whatever at 64 it's pass rush and it's speed pass rush so again i'm coming around on it a little bit I would have rather they moved, made the move up to uh, 60, beat the Bengals out to that selection and taking Drake Jackson. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, Ethan coming in so, uh, with uh, 25 pounds. An interesting article on MHH. There are certainly some out there that give the draft a decent grade. Congrats on, uh, for finding them. Yeah, no, I mean, overall, there's not many people who are giving bad draft grades. Uh, Scott hit on it yesterday where the Broncos got a B plus, but it was like the fourth worst grade in the draft class, you know, or something like that. So unless you did something absolutely bizarre, like uh Patriots going way against uh consensus, taking Cole strange and then um, Thornton out of Baylor, then um, you're going to do okay with the draft. So thank you so much, yeah. Ethan. We appreciate you. 
Um, Joe uh, Webster says uh, FanDuel gave the Broncos an A. Well, good for them. Anybody that took into account where their first pound, first pound, first round pick went, gave them a good grade. Frankly, yeah. you know, if you're just looking at the overall draft selections, you're thinking, okay, I might have rather have this guy here. Did you really need Montreal Washington in that spot? Eh, eh, eh. Yeah, but my first round pick went to a uh, a young-ish, certainly younger than Aaron Rodgers or Matt Ryan quarterback that you can play you know for the better part of the next decade with multiple pro bowls yeah absolutely um dom's in the house too saying good morning broncos for breakfast family nick and scott have a great day brothers i am gonna have a great day i'm gonna go see uh, paul mccartney tonight uh with wow with uh, natalie so that'll be great yeah she is obsessed with sir paul mccartney i gotta get that right if she hears me i'm gonna be in trouble um uh, but no that'll be really fun excited to do that uh, bx bronco jedi coming in here saying good morning fellas Ethan letting us know that who he rather would have gone with Chad Muma. Why didn't you um, say something before we could have pushed for it? If you would only said something, I mean, don't, don't hold back Ethan on the guy you want until after the draft It's too late. Come on, man. <laughs> Maybe they would have taken Troy Anderson. Maybe you can watch the Falcons this year and enjoy Troy Anderson fly around um, over there. Ethan, that's uh, going to be fun to watch. Yeah, he is. He is. He is. If he's healthy. He's, I mean, 245 pounds and a 4-4 with a 40-inch vertical leap, played running back and quarterback. He's going to be fun to watch. That was I, I, Again, I advocated for that pick for the Broncos in that spot if you wanted to go linebacker. I, I was a big fan. Yeah, I mean, just freaky. Uh, those are the kind of guys, even if he plays a somewhat devalued position, then that is what it is. And I kind of wanted to circle back around uh, to talking about Benito and the linebacker spot in general. After the draft, it does sound like the Broncos are still planning on cross-training uh, Baron Browning to be an edge rusher as much as much as an off ball linebacker. And the Broncos didn't take a single classic, you know, off ball linebacker type in the entire draft. Uh, do you make anything of this? Are the Broncos telling us anything as far as their schematic defensive plans, valuation, et cetera, et cetera? Because that to me says, you know, I, as much as I've been banging the, you know, linebackers, not super valuable drum. Uh, maybe I don't want to say vindicated, but maybe even more so uh, than I thought from the Broncos. It means in a four-man front, I can put Bradley Chubb's uh, hand on the ground and line up uh, Baron Browning next to him, uh, which would be real interesting. I could put Randy Gregory, Baron Browning, and um, Bradley Chubb on the field at the same time in pass rush situations. Does that sound good? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, you want competency out of your inside linebacker position in a role, especially if you're going to be in a dime. Um, the one name that I keep thinking, okay, my nuts on this, or is he going to show up is, is Jonas Griffith. You know, if you're only going to play one or two guys all year, then you don't need another inside linebacker. Uh, you're, you're in pretty good shape, but if you listen to Nathaniel Hack in his press conferences, basically you can never have enough pass rushers. So yeah. that's where they want to go, um, go in that direction. Again, versatility is a good thing. How can we keep, get and keep Baron Browning on the field? We think he's one of our better players. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just, I'm really excited to see what this Broncos defense looks like because we don't have much to go off of uh, for Ajiro Evero uh, other than what he said and who he's worked under. But while he worked under Brandon Staley for, was it two years with the Rams? Was Brandon Staley with the Rams for one year? I can't even remember. Um, I think it was with just one year. Uh, either way, um, they went to that match quarters, two high safety look um, with Brandon Staley there with the Rams. Then they went to Raheem Morris, which they still, I think Sean Payton said, if you're going to be the defensive coordinator here, we are living in a too high world, but you can kind of change the coverages and the looks up front for that. And they went to still too high pre-snap, but a cover three defense uh, with a more of a five, one, five look uh, rather than a four, two, five. So sorry, there's the, there's your friend's joke for you. Uh, but um, 
I will be interesting to see how it looks here with the linebacker position. We got Eddie coming in here. Also, he's talking about linebackers saying, hey, morning, Nick and Scott. What's up, Broncos country? What do you guys think about bringing back A.J. Johnson for the linebacker spot uh, that is still needed? Don't let age fool you. I still think the Dinos got it. Yeah, I wouldn't be against Alexander Johnson coming back because he is a hulking presence at the linebacker room, and he brings uh, depth to the position. And at this point in the pre-draft process, or excuse me, in the uh, team-building process, in the uh, regular you know offseason, he's not going to cost very much. So what are you talking about? Like a one-year $2 million deal? One-year $2.5 million deal of incentives? Sure. Why not? I, I mean, that might be pushing down Browning. That might be pushing down Jonas Griffith. But if Baron Browning or if uh, A.J. Johnson, Alexander Johnson has a great year next year, guess what? You might be talking about getting back a comp pick in 2024. So I wouldn't be against it. Keep going. I got to sneeze. Okay. <laughs> okay, here comes the sneeze. I'm like going live. I'm about to sneeze my head off here. Um. No, the one comment I have on that is uh, still needed. Is it? It's not. I don't think it's needed per se. How many but do it's you need? Four. Jonas Griffith, Alex Singleton, Josie Jewell, Baron Browning. I can it go depends. to war with those four guys. You probably can. Uh, it mm-hmm. depends on your plan with uh, Baron Browning. And but also- again, <clears throat> you're going to be in one a lot. You're going to be playing one yeah. inside linebacker a lot. Mm-hmm. So you really only need, you don't, you need three, you know, you're, you, you probably only rotate three in there, two yeah. insides for one package and then a, a rotational guy to back them up. But a lot of times there's going to be one playing with one backup. So yeah. it'd be nice to have four on the roster. You got four yep. on the roster. So is it yep. a need? It might be a want. I wouldn't consider it a need, which is why you saw the Broncos go in different directions in the draft. Yeah. No. Nope. So I would not advocate for spending draft uh, spending money on <clears throat> AJ Johnson right now. And I'd be against it, man. Who? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't advocate for it either. But if he was cheap, yeah, I then, wouldn't be against it. But I wouldn't yeah. say this is what we need. Pound on the table. We yeah. need bring him back. Bring him back. I can't even. Is there anything? <laughs> is there anything right now the Broncos could do that you would be pounding the table for advocating? I mean, obviously we would love, we would like a right tackle, but like, I'd like an upgrade at right tackle. I said that last at? year going in. I, I yeah. said that last year going in. Of uh, you know, when you've got a big gap in your in your salary cap and available space and you're using a stop gap mid-tier, I know, and, and you got a gift with uh, Juwan James last year, unfortunately for him, but it was a worked out really well for the team building prospects of the general manager when you could void a contract of a guy that wasn't performing. Yeah. Um, could you have done better at the right tackle spot? And have you done better since then in this offseason to upgrade the right tackle spot? Maybe. Maybe so. Yes. Can you? Can you still get better at the right tackle spot? We got about six months to. Well, let's see. We're in May. About three months, not six months. It is May already. Good lord. About three and a half months to figure that out. Yeah, it's uh, that'll be the and every single team has weaknesses on their roster. I mean, the Rams last year, their linebackers were poor. Their offensive line not great uh, after Odell Beckham Jr. went down, you know, it's really just Cooper cup or die for their pass catchers. Um, so, you know, every single team has weaknesses. The Broncos weakness this year will be questions at right tackle. Obviously other areas will emerge as we learn more about this team, but on paper, it's the, the low ceiling of the right tackle position. I would say the interior offensive line as well. And their run blocking is very much a question for me, but right tackle well, and, and center, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yep. You know, I, I think center is still a place that could be, We'll see. You know, he drafted a center, Luke Wattenberg, but is he going to be better right now than what you've got as internal mm-hmm. options? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe. Uh, right tackle, how much better did you get? And then edge is the wild card. Yeah. 
Edge, Edge is the wild card. Edge is the one that could go from F to A+. Plus. It's just, that's the wild card for sure. Yep. And Bama X in here. Morning, Broncos country. Morning to you, Bama X. Jeremy Bales, good morning. John Field says good morning as well. Uh, Scott, what is this one? I can't read. I don't speak Spanish. Broncos oh, day. Desayuno, and I can't remember what desayuno means. I forgot already. It looks like it's probably breakfast. Bron- yeah, there you go. Broncos for, bre- <laughs> Broncos for breakfast. There you go. Thank you. Context clues, uh, baby. Michael Ronquillo coming in here. Good morning, Nick and Scott on Broncos for breakfast. And uh, back to this. One of my biggest regrets from my childhood is not thinking Spanish. I know it's not too late ahead. to learn. Um, read but ahead. I, I read ahead. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't. That out. No, I just took context clues because he has the emoticon of pancakes here. So oh, see, uh, yeah, it looks like a crown to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, I see pancakes, uh, but good to see you, Michael. Um, awesome to see. Greg Smith is in the house. Aloha, as we like to say. Um, and uh, money, Mooney Moore coming in here. Money Moore coming in saying it's not about the guys you miss. It's about the guys you take that didn't perform. And I think Scott has said that uh, a few times on here. So um, keeping it going here. We got uh, Mark Schrader's in the house. Cool. Nick saw him in Denver in the early 2000s, and Scott's got something. Mark Schrader got a Demarius Thomas jersey last night in the giveaway as the number one supporter on Facebook. Uh, We did not raffle it off because we did not reach the goal for the month of April. So Mark got it as the number one. So Mark, I've got your email. You should have a Broncos for breakfast mug on the way as well. Hmm. But you also have a Demarius Thomas jersey coming your way. So shoot me an email with your uh, with your jersey size or a jersey size of someone that you want to maybe re-gift it, however you want to handle that. Just let me know. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, DWI guys, Ethan, coming in and saying, what do you think about Allen from uh, Alabama? Alabama, excuse me, Allen a, was a really highly rated recruit and uh, does a lot of good things. He was awesome uh, that first, you know, what was it? Two series in that Miami game um, this season before he injured his foot. How danger? How bad is that foot injury? Well, I mean, he was an undrafted free agent despite being a highly rated recruit and having some good tape. So I'm concerned about that foot injury. But the Broncos paid Allen handsomely uh, for an undrafted free agent. So they obviously valued him. He had suitors given that money that they uh, tossed him. So I like Allen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a redshirt uh, season. Maybe they try to just stash him this year, not get him. Uh, shown um but uh who knows and uh dom saying nick spanish is way easier to learn than english bro yes but i learned english as a baby and i didn't have a choice <laughs> not um, right now it's not um yeah but no but yeah it's english is goofy it just yeah. is there's so many things it's like there's so many words where the same word might even not even be spelled different but means yeah. five different things depending on the context it's uh yeah, yeah spanish is is much easier it's uh it is it's fun i like spanish so much more useful I took French like an idiot. I just didn't really didn't like the the French teacher and or excuse me, the Spanish teacher. Um, so it's what it is. Ryan coming in here saying Nick and Scott, good morning. So many different draft grades given this class with so many variations. Is there a common denominator experts used to determine their grades? No. Uh, but no. no, I do think that the the best way to look at it is and this this is because we have some predictive power looking back on it. Um, the athletics Arif Hassan uh, creates a big board with uh, 325 prospects on it. I believe that takes over 250 big boards and puts them together to get an average uh, value position. And we have about five years worth of data know now to show that that general consensus big board does about middle of the pack compared to NFL teams and teams that historically draft well against the big board tend to do worse in their drafts. And the Broncos did draft uh, pretty much against their big board now, the big thing is uh, overall here is that the Broncos later round picks, they took some guys that were 
not valued high at all from round five and on. So those are, I mean, after the fourth round, the draft really does become a crapshoot. And I know the Broncos do value those fifth, sixth round, seventh round picks. Broncos got Caden Stearns and Jonathan Cooper with those. But after the first four, you can, it's pretty hard to project and depend on any of those guys. So I think the Broncos had an average draft. Overall, yeah, and Ryan, what average. Nick is what Nick is telling you is the composite that is compiled is a pretty good one to look at yeah. as far as a common denominator experts use. No, not at all. It's completely subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, even the composite is subjective because it's made up of people's opinions on the prospects that they don't know what they're yeah. doing. So the entire process is subjective entirely. Yeah. So yep. find some people that you think you can trust and that are humble enough to say we might not have it right and uh and then watch and see who you can believe as you go that's what makes it fun that's what what i used to watch the draft several times i'd go back and watch because you know we didn't have internet then i'd go back and rewatch the first round and say okay he got it right he got it right that guy's an idiot i know to listen to this guy um so it's it's completely subjective yeah, and Joe Webster coming in. Is uh, Nick Benito able to play the outside linebacker spot? Can he drop into coverage? I guess his run D needs some work. Uh, there are really three pathways to Benito becoming a successful pick. Obviously, different variations of success here. Uh, number one is he gets bigger and stronger and uses his hands better uh, in the run game to set the edge and not get washed out. Uh, like I mentioned yesterday, I watched the, the TCU game really sticks out to me where he was just targeted uh, at the point of attack and driven back. It reminded me of Malik Reed versus the Eagles where it's like, yep, where's that guy on the field? We're going to run it right at him. Um, And it didn't work out very well, but uh, Benito needs to get stronger there. Um, Does he have the frame to do it? He is smaller, but if you look at his body type and I mean, you've probably gone back and watched him, Scott, he's got some, he's got some thin legs. Uh, He can stand to put on some weight in his base. Uh, So he's already pushing to 50. Yeah. You know, so he's got 20 pounds from, the you know thighs down to add yeah. he comes yep. in at 265 270 and, and gains some explosion you got something and those are what that's what you're looking for at 64 i don't even want to say second round at 64 am, you're looking for traits and yeah. upside he's got some he's got a lot of it i will say i'm skeptical that he played at 245 or 250 given mm-hmm. what it looked like um <laughs> i think he probably put on some weight for the testing the um, mm-hmm, sure. i'm guessing he played closer to 245 240 uh given what his body looks 225, like 25 230 is probably what you mean i bet he put on some weight in the combine process um they yeah. don't do bench presses anymore but yeah. um you know my my friend chip smith trains dozens of draft picks every year and they'll put on 20 pounds mm-hmm. you know it's it's combine training that's what it is yeah. he's amazing at it and they'll put on 20 25 pounds from when they leave school in december uh by the time they hit pro days and combine yeah um, and coming back, Ethan, again, we'll get to that. Uh, I'll come back to you, but just wanted to add more nuance to that. Uh, Ethan, I needed to get my keyboard fixed. It keeps trying typing Muma. God, he <laughs> murmurs out in his sleep. Um, hey, I'll get to see Muma in London this year when the Broncos come. That's a good call. Hope hope uh, bad he will be on the Jack. Too bad he'll I be on the I love Lamp. Yeah. That's what it's just. What do you think? I love Lamp. Muma. It's just reflex. Muma. Do I look fat in this? No. It's just reflex. Just answer. How do I look? Great. Do I look fast? No, it's just reflex answer. Muma. We'll see how the uh, Jags do. They uh, went the opposite way of team building. They spent all that money on uh, Aloakon Alu- uh from the Falcons. Uh, yeah, I wanted to. I actually, I, I wanted to to mention on that. They didn't just. They went a couple ways though. They they Devin Lloyd. They went after two linebackers in free agency, if I'm not mistaken. But they they spent a fortune on Foy Aluakon, 
uh, the NFL's leading tackler. And then they bring in Muma. And I think they brought in, an, there was another one. So it's like, this is the third mm-hmm. big inside linebacker uh, transaction the Jaguars made. It's like, you know, talk about, you know, Nick starts getting twitchy. You know, you start spending that kind of money on on a uh, on a linebacker, let alone three of them using premium resources on three of those guys. Nick, yeah. his eye starts going like this. It's like, you okay, bud? They got you my got guy Trevon Walker. Linebacker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a yeah. I don't I don't know. Maybe they're gonna play um, zero eleven zero defense. Uh, who knows? Um, but uh, back to this comment here on uh, usages for. Uh, Nick Benito, I am curious to see. He might just end up a designated pass rusher where he is a super sub type that comes in and rushes the passer. And if he does that at an elite level, even if he's only playing 40% of the snaps, you know what? At 64, if he is that much of a difference maker at rushing the passer, then honestly, I can talk myself into it at 64. Um, the, the interesting pathway for him seeing the field to me is that he actually, he's that Venn diagram crossing both things for us. So Ethan wants that off ball linebacker. Well, on first and second down, Maybe Nick Benito does become that um, from the edge rusher spot. He's actually pretty darn good uh, moving backwards in space and in coverage. Now he's an athlete, you know, he's an athlete. He's an athlete. Yep. So you can, you, you need to be able to, to drop out of there. Maybe he doesn't have to set the edge so much. Uh, yep. We'll see, but he, he is, he, he's an athlete traits yep. again. Yep. Well, the, the buzzword for the day is traits for these guys in this lower half on days, late day two and, and day three, Miguel coming in with some stars and good morning, fellas. Good morning, Miguel. Feels like it's been a while. Maybe it yeah. hasn't. Just kind of feels like it for some reason. Hope you're doing well, Miguel. And uh, but the, the switch for Benito being off ball, it's not a one for one. Obviously, you see the athleticism, you see the body type. There's so much that happens so quickly that the athlete we talk about it with Josie Jewell. You know, you look at him, he's like, Oh, that guy's kind of small. He's not an amazing athlete, but he processes things so in- quickly. Uh linebacker is a neck up position. And uh Benito, that the reason that a lot of times it's you like see athletes, yeah, it's you know? It's like it it's is. turning into the quarterback position. Yep, absolutely. Or even like the center uh, as mm-hmm. well. That's another one. But um, for the linebacker spot, there's a reason that a lot of guys who are great athletes at linebacker that fail there are like, oh, you know what? Let's just put them at edge because you don't have to think <laughs> at edge. Just pin your ears back and go. I mean, it's they're still thinking, but not to the same extent of processing that the linebacker has. So it's a big uh, projection saying that he can become off ball. Doesn't mean he can't, mm-hmm. but it's definitely a big ask for him given what we've seen. And when we started this a year ago, Nick, the two of the guys I talked about are the, maybe the best athletes I've I've seen that weren't real good football players. I said, put them on third down, put their hand in the dirt, you know, yeah. make them rush faster. It was Taylor Mays safety out of USC. He's about 235 pounds as a safety and, uh, and boss Bailey champs, older brother, uh, younger brother, phenomenal athlete, like 48 inch vertical leap at 240 pounds running, you yeah. know, four threes and four and, and low four fours, phenomenal athlete, no instincts. And then he got hurt. So then he's going to lose some of his athleticism, you know, even just this much for a guy like boss who does not have anywhere near the football instincts that his brother did. And he was out of the league pretty quick. Uh, Mark Schrader coming in with, uh, with big stars, which is how he helped win a Demarius Thomas Jersey last month says I'm probably in the minority, but I feel good about right tackle this year with three competing. I do wish we had taken Jones uh, Braxton Jones, Southern Utah, or Matt Walesko. I think Walesko went to the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken. He did. Yep. Uh, to develop, though. Um, there's three competing, but are, are, is one of the is any of the three good? <laughs> you know, you can bring in bodies, but what's your what's your ceiling there? How good can it get? That's what worries me. You know, are you going to be any better than you were last year? And you were okay last year. 
I don't want okay. Not when I've got the resources that the Denver Broncos do. I don't want okay. I want an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it'd be great. Uh, I guess something that can make Broncos country feel good is that they probably don't have the worst right tackle in the division. Um, but uh, they might have arguably the best right tackle in the division, honest to God. But uh, that's more to speak of how bad tackles are across the league as well. That's the thing also. I mean, we've been harping about this for the offensive line for years. At least I have. Um, Broncos country, you know, take a step back and look at the landscape of offensive lines around the NFL. Most teams feel exactly where you do. Um, there's very few teams that like, you know what? I really like where our offensive line is. It's a There's scarcity there. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you have a singular weakness, that makes the whole unit look poor. Uh, so I think the Bron- Broncos country's offensive line is probably closer to, I would say they're probably closer to top 10 than they are bottom 10, but more or less, you know, falling into that um, 18 to 12 range uh, this season, which if your defense is good enough, your quarterback's good enough, your weapons are good enough, that's fine. Um, that can be fine. Obviously, you'd rather have a top 10 unit. I'd rather have all pros at every spot. You know, it's it's hard to do that. Um, so should be okay this season. I agree with uh, Mark overall, though. Right tackle this year, low ceiling, but uh, I think a pretty high floor as well. Yeah, the weakest link doesn't necessarily break the team here because you you know mm-hmm. it, it's it's almost like okay, I've got thinking Game of Thrones here or something. I've got yep. you know the wall and I've got five forts set up like an offensive line, and I know that one of them's not so good, uh, isn't isn't quite as good. As long as the other four hold up, we're gonna hold. So it's not constant pressure in the same spot and the, the weakest link in the chain breaks. Good enough could be good enough if everybody else rises. It's more like a, the the rising tide theory on this one. Wyatt coming in, said, I missed yesterday's show. And I'm sure it was, uh, it was covered, but what are your thoughts post-draft? We're hitting on this. Uh, we are hitting on this, Wyatt. Um, good draft. Um, okay, right now we're just kind of, it was okay. And I've been trying to temper expectations just because or try to realign the expectations that again, you are, you got your present before Christmas, Christmas day comes along and you're like, you still have those internal expectations that you're, yep. that are just burned into you as a kid, Christmas day, yep. crap, I already got my present. I'm disappointed. Yeah. You know, you're not disappointed that you got a shiny new car. You're just disappointed that you don't have anything on Christmas day. Yep. It's not that you didn't have anything, but when you're picking 64, it's not the same as picking in the top 15. It's just not. Yeah. There's no way around that. Um, you got some good players, and we'll we'll hit on some of those. But uh, thank you for the stars, Wyatt. And how do you feel about the Falcons draft? Uh, I thought the Falcons did well overall, really well overall. And it was pretty – I'd say it's easy for them because basically any competent player in this draft will fight for a starting role on a roster that's this bad. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's some holes they didn't necessarily fill that they needed to. And uh, we'll hit on that a lot tomorrow uh, over on my channel. Yeah, absolutely. And I like this, man, this is peak off-season content, but this is the stuff that I live for. Um, these, you know, sitting at the bar with your buddies, uh, kind of just talking hypotheticals here. Um, Isaiah's coming in saying, who are, if you guys start a franchise, three players on each side of the ball that you would take to start a franchise? Um, right off the bat here, I'm thinking about how can I game the system? How can I cheat? Um, because if you're not cheating, you're not trying, right, guys? No. Um, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. No, excuse me. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, and then trading two of those guys for all the picks in the world and then filling out the rest <laughs> of my roster because I'm going to get a freaking haul uh, for those guys. No, um, I mean, that's probably the smart way to go. On defense, man, honest, number one for me would be Miles Garrett. Um, I'm taking Miles Garrett pretty much no matter what. Aaron Donald? Aaron Donald is older, um, and he's been talking about retirement, so he scares yeah. me a tad. He's still so dominant um, that I still might consider him. Um 
I guess I'm definitely taking Miles Garrett, though. I might take Patrick Sertan. Is that cheating? No. Is that biased? I, I mean, that's I'm ta- hugely biased. You're the only there isn't a Broncos fan in the world that would say Patrick Sertan top three in the entire NFL. Not a one. If you were starting a team right now and you wanted to walk away with a cornerback, he's 22 years old. He's still cost controlled. I'm I'm talking about like starting a franchise, not next year. You know, the next 15 years. I, I don't know. I think there's an argument to be had um, for because the value of the position as well. I don't know. I think there is an argument I'm hit, uh, again. And I know this is biased because um, PFF thinks Patrick Sertan didn't even play last year. Yeah. But I mean, AJ Terrell I was think fantastic. You get a lot of people and it doesn't have age on here. There it is. 23. I mean, 23 and a half years old of AJ Terrell. Yeah. Um, 22 and a half of Nate Hobbs, Las Vegas. He was asked yeah. to do nothing uh, for yeah. them. His role um, was easy. 25 of DJ Reed with the Jets. 25 at Denzel Ward, Cleveland Browns. Um, 23.6, Cam Dantzler. Mm. You know, um, so, but I'd probably go edge edge. <laughs> yeah, but you get three guys. I'd probably go two pass rushers, to be honest with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll have to talk about this one a little bit more. And yeah, on... You got us going. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of fun. I... I really do think there's an argument for Sertan, um, given his versatility, his usage, the fact that his offensive line was terrible, and he wasn't sitting there in a uh, short cover two zone like uh, some other cornerbacks um, were last season. God, Miles Garrett's only 26. I covered Miles Garrett. He must have been, you know, no hold back. You know, he was like graduated at 17 because I remember doing a video and hell, I've been gone for a long time. You know, this is the number one guy and this is the number one defensive end. It was Miles Garrett and this is why. I was yep. still in California. I haven't been in California since 2014. Yeah, Miles Garrett is a uh, that's that's the first one my brain goes to. I think there's an argument for I I, I really like the young guys too. Like the younger the better. Uh, Where's Rashawn Gary thing. these days? I was gonna say Rashawn Gary um, <laughs> was one of them. Uh, Miles Garrett, and then because I love Rashawn Gary's inside outside ability. Maybe then for that third one, you talk about Micah Parsons. You know how I feel about linebackers, but the fact that he is a godly you know pass rusher um on third down there's some talk for that i mean rashawn gary has a three technique or whatever with miles garrett and then uh michael parsons giddy up baby um we got franklin coming in saying good morning everyone i'm ready for the season to start let's get that schedule uh released first uh that would be much more uh that's the next big thing here aj coming in saying is aj johnson better than kenny young yes he is um kenny young is a i i don't care scott maybe you can talk me out of this one. I don't, I don't get what the fans overall, I don't want to say obsession, but interest in Kenny young was because last year watching the tape, I saw a guy who was, you know, hips turned the wrong way, missing tackles and an okay athlete, but he came in and made a splash player right away and had a great first impression. Do you remember a young quarterback that came in with a four and one record, despite not playing all that well and how the legacy and the revisionist history has stuck around for two years. Yeah. Yeah. That's Kenny young light. That's a very similar phenomenon. He wasn't all that good, but he made a great first impression. Yep. Remember that guy? He was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, But you know, do you remember everything else? No. What happened? You know, no, I remember the the, the good stuff and it's easier to hide. You're not watching the linebacker on every play. You're watching if he makes a play, you know, you're watching the ball, you're following. And if he goes the wrong way or, you know, unless you're a, a casual fans, not watching the linebacker on every play, they're just, we're just, we're just not. 
Yeah. I think it's also maybe a little bit of the media hype that followed him. Oh, he went for the Ravens to the Rams. Now he's coming here. He's been a good coverage player. He's been okay. Uh, but the he's still out there. Why he was acquired for, you know, let go for nothing. He was easy to, to get from yeah. a, a Super Bowl team. You know, there yeah. weren't, they weren't, uh, you know, trying to get rid of assets. He was, he was okay. He was okay. He's not, a, oh, we got to get this guy back. He, he was okay. Uh, Gary coming in saying, who are some guys that could be traded to add some draft capital from 2023? Uh, Scott, we can kind of popcorn this one. I'll go first. Uh, somebody that comes to mind for me immediately, you know, looking at the draft that you just had Malik Reed, um, all the signs point to the Broncos, not really valuing Malik Reed all mm-hmm. that much an undrafted free agent. They put the original round tender on him, meaning, you know, come and get him if you want him. Nobody paid, but you might be able to get, you know, a 2023, six or seven, uh, for him, unload that, uh, salary cap space as well. What is he costing you right now? 2 million. You know, that's 2 million that could go towards your rookie draft class or be rolled over uh, for next season. And you can start to add some draft capital there. Uh, but Malik Reed, I definitely think is one that uh, on the block for the trade market. Yeah. And he's got some stats to back it up, you know, yeah. where you're like, I know the, the, um, I saw him come across my Falcons timeline, like, you know, Malik Reed, he had eight sacks, you know, that double the next closest guy for, you know, Dante Fowler had four and a half. He led the Falcons yeah. like Malik Reed. I'm like, no, like, eh. Crap. Back to the drawing board then. I, I kind of shot that down. So you might be able to fool somebody into thinking that he's an eight sack a season guy uh, consistently yeah. as a starter. You might be able to, to do something like that. Um, can you flip McTelvin Ajim? I mean, you're he's he's been underwhelming. Um can you can you uh, can, <laughs> like you, uh, can you can you flip him for something like that? Um maybe. Yeah, I think McTelvin um, Ajim's a good one too. Um, uh, the obvious one, I mean, if you really want to get something of value, you got to give up something of value. When you're talking about where is your strongest position right now, and there's only one ball, it's wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, you could maybe move Jerry Judy. I think it's more like you see, you know, back end of the roster. Let's say you, you brought back both your exes, uh, which you weren't sure was going to happen. And I know you only used a six round pick on him, but maybe you send uh, Seth Williams in a seven for yeah, a six and, round pick or a 2020, you know, I don't know what other people value. I mean, you were able to flip a seventh round pick who never played a snap for you for a six round pick a year later. So yeah. I don't know. We don't know what other GMs value the guys that they didn't get in the draft this year or next year uh, or last year, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you get, um, was it Jamar? Is it Jamar Johnson? You know, maybe he's a guy that you're able to spin off for a fourth round pick. Um, yeah. you know, cause you don't happen to value, but somebody did. Well, I like him. I remember liking him. Um, and, and I, we don't, I don't know that. I don't, I don't know the rosters and the needs of the other teams well enough to even contemplate that you could trade a seventh round pick who hasn't played for you and get an upgraded pick the next year. That that's beyond my scope. <laughs> for sure. Um, some other guys maybe that you could see on the trade market, um, for relative cheap. I mean, I think the gauntlet's been thrown down on Jamar Johnson. Uh, drafting both those defensive backs late uh, in this draft cycle. Maybe you can get something for him. And uh, you mentioned McTelvin Ajim. And maybe you see one of those interior offensive linemen, like uh, Natani Moody, uh, who maybe doesn't fit the scheme as well. So we'll see. Um, and we've got Greg Smith saying there's some maybe some breaking Falcon news. Uh, Falcons greedy Jarrett greased three years, 67 million with another 1.5 um, incentives. I'm not sure if there's anything going on there. We can pull it up. There you go. Um, oh my gosh, I'm having a I know. The screen is flashing. There we go. To, uh, let me see. Let me see. That's that's pretty big news. Yeah. Um, per league Ooh. sources, Falcons uh, 
DL Grady Jarrett has agreed to a three-year extension worth up to $67 million over the life of the deal with another $1.5 million in incentives. Um, interesting. Good for him. Okay. That's a, hey, we're going to be rough here, but we love you. You want to stick around? Hey, uh, he's, a, he's, uh, he's uh, Falcon's legacy, you know, to royalty. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure his dad is Jesse Tuggle, who is, you've heard me say before, is the greatest mm-hmm. Falcon of all time, at least in my, I, I don't know before, before that, like Tommy Nobis era. Um, but that is, uh, that's interesting. Now that you've got an extension, he's worth more on a trade value, <laughs> trade market. <laughs> so be interesting to see how much of that is a uh, signing bonus and would become dead cap. But, uh, again, I, I think, one of the reasons he is um, interesting to me in the Broncos context is because I think DJ Johnson is a very, very similar player to Grady Jarrett. Um, Grady Jarrett has done it at a higher level for a little bit longer, but if you get, if you get DJ Johnson, your comp here, and I'm not real good with comps, but if you get Grady Jarrett out of DJ Johnson, you got a freaking steal because uh, Grady Jarrett is, is a non-tooled, guy he's a guy that falls doesn't tick any of those boxes he's not tall enough he's not long enough he's not quick enough all he does is make plays yeah yeah no absolutely and uh he's been a good one i loved him coming out of that draft i was screaming for him round two in that draft and then round three and then round four um the broncos ended up taking tyson brylo and uh jeff hireman and max garcia which you know Thank you for taking uh, type sunbright off our hands for draft picks. That was great. Um, but uh, to the Falcons, um, Benito, our Holy Diver coming in here. So Benito is both taller and heavier than Von Miller's combine numbers. He is. Uh, he also did not test like Von Miller at the combine. Um, I have the uh, spider graphs pulled up here because why not? And the thing that, I mean, here's Von Miller. I, I wish I could uh, fit that whole thing in there, but uh, look at all that area taken up by the, I, I categorized him as edge here, as you can see. Um, the thing that really sticks out for me here with uh, Von Miller is, that arm length for the body type. I mean, 33 and a half arm length for Von Miller. Uh, that makes him look like a, bl- a bleeping uh, offensive tackle. Oh, there. It's 31 percentile. I'm sorry. I'm like, wait a minute. 31 reps on the bench only goes up that far. What the hell? <laughs> uh, 21 reps only. For yeah, no, edge. Von Miller was was linebacker size drafted as an edge. So his size isn't yeah. going to fit any of those things. Nope. But look at you know, the arm length there. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the athleticism as an edge is, you know, well, that's how he became yep. Miller. Now, did you show Benito in the same? I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. And here is Nick Benito. Little lesser athlete across the board um, in every single metric. And the <laughs> arm length going from 50th percentile to 12th percentile is probably the biggest uh, biggest thing for me. Oh, actually, oh. this is it. This is him. And as frankly, a... it's been long enough of a time frame that the athleticism of the last two or three years of these guys especially on the the speed track that they ran on in Indy. Yeah. is juiced. No, I don't, yep. you know, I don't I don't mean to say that that is probably the wrong word for this, but it's it's hot. The the yep. track was hot in Indy. Yeah. It was. I mean, to the point where you guys heard me say this on here, I have a few uh scout connections actually from uh covering the NFL combine for a number of years and uh some of them represented some running backs and they were like they've never even run this fast in our training facilities in perfect conditions. <laughs> and they're running, you know, the fastest times ever. Uh, what the heck is going yeah, on? They're not going to run at the good, It's a good time to have a PR. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, so fast track this year in Indy teams were even uh, adding, you know, a 10th of a second uh, to the overall scores to normalize uh, the variables. So they could have historical uh, context on the class comparing it to earlier years. Um, so we're already this far in, we need to start talking day three for the Broncos here, Scott. Um, it's just not as interesting. 
I think round four is very interesting. No, I, I was, know, I'm teasing. Yeah, round four was my some of my favorite. I'll let you look over the comments here. I've been kind of reading, perusing um, the comments. But um, round four, the Broncos kick it off there with pick 115, taking one of my favorite defensive backs in this class, somebody that when we always got to around pick 96, 115, 116, I'm like, okay, we got to think about this guy here. Uh, Damari Mathis, cornerback from Pittsburgh, good length, played in that cover four heavy scheme, which really puts those cornerbacks on an island um, because, you know, they're, they're tasked for that zone all the way back is quarter to the field um, and going backwards. Uh, very physical player um, could work on his tackling technique, but I, the want is not an issue tested very well at Indy as well. Good movement skills. Biggest thing with Demari Mathis is he's got to learn to trust his technique and play with a little bit more control because sometimes when he even he panics a little bit, I think in space in coverage. And when he does that, he gets grabby. And what happens, I mean, at the college level, you might be able to get away with a little bit of grabbing. Um, and at the, But at the NFL, I guess until it gets to the playoffs, um, teams are going to be really finicky and officials are going to be really finicky about your contact down the field. So he's got to work on that. But this is about, I mean, I wouldn't have been, I would if they took him at pick, let's say pick 80 instead of Dulcich, I'd have been like, okay, I get it. I understand that pick. You know, you really want those versatile, uh, can do it all, uh, cornerback body types. Uh, Alante Taylor went off the board way earlier than anybody expected to the saints. Um, the Broncos had interest in cam Taylor Britt. This is your diet version of those two guys. So I really like the Demari Mathis pick. One of my favorites, uh, actually my favorite pick for the Broncos for where they got him in the entire draft. And, uh, and George Payton in his press conference basically called him out for special teams right away. He yep. says, this is a guy that's going to be an asset on special teams, uh, in that, uh, vein and you know do you need him um to to play right away in the defensive backfield no you don't it's uh it's you, you hope you don't you know it, it would take an injury to get him in there or he overplays where you were able to draft him both of the, the, the one of those is a good thing if he's playing the other one you don't want to necessarily force him into action we'll watch it for him on special teams early and he'll get a good look in preseason for sure we'll see him a lot uh in preseason yeah Absolutely. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Uh, where do you think he fits on the Broncos this season? You know, let's talk uh, this special year. Especially, do you think it's just special? <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Do you, is there a if he's healthy? If he's healthy and every, if everybody else is healthy, special teams. Yeah. And then get, you know, get a half a dozen snaps as a, as a dime uh, guy, but you don't, you, you, you probably don't want him playing a lot of defensive reps. Something again, if he overplays where he was drafted, great. But you've got a good size with good speed who's raw. Let's ease him in. I've got time on a team that's this deep. I've got time to ease him in. I got a time to blood him on special teams, maybe work him in in the back end of a game that's uh, out of hand one way or the other. But I don't see him as a crucial down contributor for the Denver Broncos in 2022. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my good friend, Marcus Boggs, coming in here saying, can't believe Nick's not coming with us to the Russell Wilson versus the Hawks. I'm waiting for the schedule release because I have multiple weddings that I have to go to this season. And uh, if it falls on one of those dates, uh, you know what football I'm obviously I'm up here talking football, like a psychopath. I love football, but uh, not going to miss, you know, my sister's or my best friend's wedding, which, uh, yep. I know. I actually miss my grandparents 50th wedding anniversary uh, for a football game. Mm. Uh, it's, they've had 50 of them to celebrate, you know, like this is, it's not their wedding day. There was uh there's extenuating circumstances, though. That was 1995. It was my last year in college, and it was the Auburn-Alabama home game, my last mm-hmm. game in college. I'm like, I'll be up Saturday evening. I'm not like, – so I went up Sunday morning for the party. But, there you yeah, go. I think I still hear about that, and that was 95. We're coming up on 20. That was almost 30 years ago. 
Well, <laughs> did, did Auburn win? Auburn did win. It was See, amazing. There you it was, go. It was a good win. There you go. So um, for me, uh, Mathis this year, obviously special teams ability, but I think that there, he does have some inside outside ability. I don't think he'll move to safety immediately. I think they'll try to work him at cornerback before going that Avenue. I could see him competing with uh, Michael Ojemudia this year for the first cornerback off the bench. I think that's his most likely spot on the defense, but you hit the nail on the head. Uh, special teams makes a lot of sense um, for the Broncos. So uh, we're moving up here now to pick one sixteen. Uh, Awoka Ronway. Ah, let me pull up the <laughs> name real quick. Wuzurike. Um, Wuzurike. Yes, you know that's him. It. yes. Wuzurike. I like that pick a lot, but uh, Iowa State Cyclone. Uh, not my guy, I would say. But no, He's good a Denver pick. Bronco um, now. Yeah, he is. That's true. He's my guy now. Um, came out of the draft. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to come out last year. Um, he's going to be 24 years old this season. So a little bit on the older end. Some people had him uh, a little bit overdrafted, but I don't think he was overdrafted uh, for the Broncos at all. This is about the range where I was expecting him to go. Um, he is a massive human being, uh, six, six, nearly six, seven with a 35 inch arm length, which is, you know, tackle. Yeah, another one of those guys, right? Offensive um, tackle. You would have been in the first round if you just moved to offense. Yeah, that's uh, that's possible. But that's um, how we. I mean, that's how a guy like that ends up at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. No, we want you to come in here and play DL because yep. most of the, the the bigger programs probably talk to him about playing offensive tackle. I'm not, or or, or they probably lied. No. Iowa State convinced him that he would stay on the defensive side of the ball. And that's how a guy with those kind of measurables, six, six and a half, 325 pounds. Um, let's see, 33-inch vert, put him on a basketball court and shoot a highlight yeah. video. Uh, that'd be yeah. a lot of fun. That's how he ends up at a while. You know, that and he was not that size coming out and, and grew up. Yeah. But golly, wouldn't you have loved to see him start go roll the clock back five years ago and put him at offensive tackle? Right tackle. Yeah. Um, for a Wuzurike. The big reason that he ended up at Iowa State, which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and just totally disparage Iowa State because every time Iowa beats them and people think Iowa State's good, that's good for my Hawkeyes. Uh, but that said, um, he had issues with academics um, and he did not qualify academically for the schools that were his desire, uh, which were both the Michigan schools. Um, so he ended up at Iowa State, which uh, just lost their AAU affiliation. Um, congrats, Iowa State. No Big Ten for you, I guess. Um, but uh, that is the... Why he ended up there at uh, defensive tackle was academically ineligible, but then worked his butt off and became el- eligible there at Iowa State. A little bit older for a player, but the thing that sticks out to me is this is this is one of the players that I think has the most direct path to actually starting this year for the Broncos. Um, even more so than Benita. I guess Dulcich is number one, but then it is Awuzurike, and it's because that five technique, that four-eye, George Payton named it, uh, guys. It's, it's a real thing. Four-eye, what the hell is Nick talking about? It's a spot on the defense. Um, that 3-4 defensive end lining up is a four-eye is a massive hole on the Broncos defense, or it mm-hmm. was entering this season. And uh Wuzurike with the body type, the length, the versatility on the defensive line as well, be able being able to wear multiple hats is um, a big deal. So I think he's got a good chance to start on that defensive line this year on your five man fronts, you know, with uh Randy Gregory, Bradley Chubb, Wuzurike, Draymond Jones, DJ Jones in the middle. Um and he with his Can length I call him can- DJ Williams earlier. I don't think so. If I, I'm hopefully I just said DJ. If I said DJ Williams, I meant yeah. DJ Jones. I should have known. They're all Joneses. Yeah, keeping up so with apologies. The DJ um, but, Williams is uh, one of the first big time recruits I ever paid attention to when I was getting into recruiting. And uh, good Rock player, Long Beach Poly, I think. Or was he North at uh, De La Salle? Anyway, apologies. 
he was a uh, he was a Bronco. Um, so first round pick for the Broncos. They put him next to Ian Gold and uh, Al Wilson. That was a heck of a linebacker core. The bitch. Some people he was one about of the those first days. true national prospects. He was big time. Yeah, good running back too. If I running back, say running back yep. linebacker. Yep. yep. Um. Yeah. Good player. Good prospect. Uh, anyway, back to uh, Uzrike. Um. I I think he actually has a good chance to start this year to get a lot of uh, snaps. Big thing for him will be, be I know he's massive, but sometimes that height works to his detriment, and with it, uh, he can struggle with double teams. Now Iowa State did play a three three five front where they put a lot on him as far as handling double teams and engulfing players. There's a reason that uh, Pro Football Focus had him as an edge rusher, which is just laughable for me for the uh, you know six foot six three hundred thirty pound defensive yeah. lineman. But uh, again, um, a player that has a good chance to start this year. He's gonna have to work on his pad level. Uh, sometimes he plays too high, and that is very much an issue uh, for handling double teams. Cause if you can get underneath big tree and uproot them, then big tree go down hard. Uh, but he's a good player. It can play across multiple gaps, good length. And he should, I'm hoping with his power and burst, you can see a lot of fun twists and stunts kind of things where he's that first guy to dive into a player and create some space for a Nick Benito or Randy Gregory to loop around him. So I really like this pick. I know that it did not get high grades um, from most people, but there's not many defensive linemen who, Bring what he has. Uh, there's just not that body type. So go get him. I, this is one of my favorite picks. You're looking. You're looking for traits, and he's got them in spades. Uh, I always ask, you know, who else was there? Um, I might have. I might have taken a shot on Spencer Burford, the offensive tackle out of yeah. uh, out of UTSA. Um, after that, it gets pretty thin. There, there's not a lot of guys. If you look at like the next 15 picks or so, there isn't anybody that jumps out at me. So, you know, flip a coin on those two. And uh, you'd be pretty happy for um, maybe maybe if you wanted to go return guy in this spot who could also play some slot receiver for you is Calvin Austin was still on the board. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think a six foot six, 320 pound monster for the DL was a uh, was a better choice. Yeah. And uh, we got Gabe coming in. Is it scary having a 23 year old that is super raw? He's not super raw. Uh, at all. I would not say that's that's if that's the impression I'm giving off. It's just that because of his height, he's always going to have <clears throat> issues with leverage. And uh, we saw that at Iowa State against double teams. Now he's not playing in many, you know, five guys across the line of scrimmage kind of looks. So he was getting doubled often and uh, he was tasked with sitting there. So he's going to have to work constantly his whole career at playing lower because just of his body type. And no, because <clears throat> a six foot six, 320 pound guy hasn't had to learn the techniques in order to be effective. We talked a little bit about this yesterday with Nick Benito. Nick Benito hasn't had to develop excellent pass rush moves because he's just been able to run by everybody. Yeah. So uh, it's not it's not rare at all that he would they would be raw at this spot because their athletic traits in a bigger, faster, stronger sport like football has let them still excel. As they move up in competition, they need to improve on the little things that will then turn them into better pros. But you want to bet on a guy who's six foot six, 320 pounds and an athlete that you can teach him the smaller nuances of the game that will then elevate him to a higher level. Yep. 100%. So I uh, really love the length here. Um, love his ability to at least gap and a half, right? And this is the, somebody mentioned earlier, Shelby Harris replacement. Shelby Harris had those vines as well. Shelby Harris was much shorter, which was actually a benefit um, compared to Obuzurike here. But uh, we got Andrew Lamp coming in here talking about a benefit, uh, saying, morning all we'll have to watch later, but wanted to throw out what support I can. Andrew, yep. thank you so much for your yep, support. Appreciate that means the stars, a Andrew. Yeah. Um, and uh, Jeremy saying Chris Sims had a lot of great things to say about Obuzurike on his podcast. Good player. Um, 
college free agents for the Broncos to keep an eye on Christopher Allen, Ed Drusher, uh, Jalen Virgil, uh, Appalachian state. Those are the two guys that, uh, stick out to me as undrafted free agents, uh, follow the money. I think those are the guys that were paid the highest as well. So, um, look out for that. There's also the linebacker from Buffalo who I think has a chance to make the practice squad and maybe become a developmental player there for them. And, uh, after you posted that, I, Ethan took the words out of my mouth. I just wasn't going to say it. Uh, you like Sims analysis, uh, not particularly. So, uh, just, but I always say it's not necessarily um, when you're giving analysts fans reaction to you isn't right or wrong. They don't care. It's positive mm-hmm. and negative. That's yep. how you are viewed. If you are positive, you are good. If you are negative, you are bad. Yep. So, um, you know, I'm not speaking about this crew in general. This is a pretty level headed crew that we're in here all the time talking. But uh, my experience is even when I got draft classes or uh, or players right, especially in recruiting, if I was down on it compared to other people, I was the moron. Didn't matter that I was right. No, it's it's all going to come out in the wash anyway. So we'll figure out uh, what it is. I actually think Sims is, is what what I respect about Sims is he's very much anti groupthink. Um, his rankings are always very against uh, general consensus, and we need that because um, I like I like that. Um, it makes I me don't mind if it's, if it's honest. If it's, and he's been, if it's just the fact that I, this is how I'm going to make a name for myself as being the guy that's different, then you're just, you're not honest about it. And yeah. some of this takes come off as just, I'm trying to go against the crowd so people will notice me. And I, he doesn't, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need to do that. So there's some of the things that are so off the wall that it feels disingenuous to me. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. That said, the one thing I do like about Sims is that we have the passage of time to look at it. And his quarterback mm-hmm. rankings are always, you know, like, oh, that's not what people are saying right now. Looking back, his quarterback rankings have been pretty freaking good uh, compared to the group think general consensus. So shout out to quarterbacks. We'll see how the rest of it plays mm-hmm. out. Um, we're at 57 minutes. And we still got some picks to get through. Uh, Broncos fifth round made three picks here. Um, they took safety. Uh, DeLaren Turner yell out of Oklahoma at 152. They took returner Montreal Washington from Samford at 162. And they took a Luke Wattenberg out of Washington at 171, trading up uh, to go get Luke Wattenberg. And uh, I really actually, the more I think about it, especially that late at the fifth round, I like Donovan West. He fell. Did he even get drafted? I That surprised me given his movement skills. I guess, you know, Pac-12 down big time as far as football goes. But uh, they end up taking Wattenberg. Wattenberg had 34-inch arms, which is super long for a, I mean, that's Garrett Bull's arm length. That's offensive tackle arm length for the center position. And, Post-draft, I heard that the Broncos not only have arm length thresholds for the offensive tackle position, they have it for all five spots in the offensive line. And there is a point where it's too long as well. Actually, they have a they have a cutoff for too long of arms uh, for some <laughs> positions because, I mean, you see that like little Raven Clark. Oh, he's got 36 arms. Okay, he can't use them. He's no coordination at all. Um, but uh, they really liked Wattenberg. They traded up to get him. And I think that you mentioned it earlier. Is he going to be a Lloyd Cushenberry replacement? Probably not. Graham Glasshauer. Probably not, not this year. year. Yeah, not this year. I, I, if he becomes a starting center, that'd be awesome. Uh, late fifth round pick. We'll see. But even that area, if he becomes the Graham Glasgow for the Broncos this season, which is Graham Glasgow, guess what? If we have an injury, we can start you at left guard. We can start you at center. We can start you at right guard. A lot of value to that. A lot of versatility to that. Uh, Wattenberg also tested pretty well. His 10-yard split was very good. Got out of a stance quickly and also had good jumps. Needs to add strength. Again, that's a something we're saying about a lot of these guys on here. Uh, I think he does. He's a little bit high wasted as well. So probably can add some mass to his base uh, to anchor better and drive block better. Uh, but fifth round, I think this is a pretty good fit in a uh, solid scheme fit. Love the versatility. 
Yeah, and, and since you got a Ruzarike earlier, I, I like John Ridgeway. I do. Um, mm -hmm. You needed some beef at the nose guard position, and Ridgeway's 330 pounds out of Arkansas, but you, you already solved that position. We talked going in, will they go guard center? Yes. Mm -hmm. the, the, the Denver Broncos need more competition in that spot, and they just got some. He's a, he's a good player. He's a, a good mm -hmm. prospect. Again, you don't necessarily want him starting right away, but no. it, if he was capable of starting right away, you wouldn't have gotten him in, in what, the fifth round, late fifth? So it's a it's a developmental pick, and he's got some he's got some traits as well. Yep, uh, Delaire and Turner Yell a little bit smaller has dealt with injuries. Love the physicality coming downhill. Um, should be a good special teams player as long as he can stay healthy. Also thought he had solid ball protection production. Thought this was a little bit early for him compared to what I saw. I preferred uh, Tyson Anderson, who went a little later. Different type of player, but uh, I guess might just totally different position. Given one's more of a box safety projection versus a deep safety coming down and filling the alley. But I like the Laren Turner. All the more I've watched him uh, had some pretty darn good games for Oklahoma as well. I think that Texas game this year stood out to me as well. So this is a solid pick. This one screams uh, special teams and better tackling physicality. Um, a lot of, a lot of them do. And you know, yeah. let's, let's go to, you know, the, the middle pick in the fifth round sandwiched between uh, Turner yell and Wattenberg is Montrell Washington. Yeah. It's a little bit of a surprise when, the draft pick is surprised that he was drafted. You know, when, when he gets surprised, that's that's a little interesting. And and just to repeat what has been said and what uh, Zach and Chad said last night on the, the huddle up pod is, did you need to get him in the fifth? We're not saying he, it's not a good player, um, but did you need to get him in the fifth? Were there other options you could have gone after and still gotten your guy? Yep. Yeah, that's, uh, that's the big one for me. Um, but... As we said uh, yesterday, specialists went off the board early and often, uh, which is kind of surprising. The niche players, I mean, we had four punters drafted. We had a kicker drafted early in the fourth round. And the two valued uh, punt returners in my book in uh, Velas Jones and Marcus Marcus Jones were snatched up quickly. So this is very much a Dwayne Stukes pick. I think this was Dwayne Stukes guy. And if he can become a, you know, what are you getting there in the fifth round? Anyway? What are the odds that, you know, if you took a wide receiver here that he ends up hitting the roster? And, and becoming a starter even yeah, not very good but if you can get cheap cost controlled punt return kick return there that's that can be value there at the fifth round pick especially for the contract that said i agree with you you know maybe this is a little bit early but if they're it's their guy and they couldn't live without him that's fine this is the one pick in the draft where let's say you swap that with braxton jones who went a little bit later mm -hmm. okay now 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 you're talking to me because that's that really interests me there but uh We'll see about Montreal, Washington. Um, this was the one that was the most head scratcher for me. And I think he's getting a lot of hype off that Florida game. There's not a lot of other good things out there. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a bold statement. Yeah. It's just, it's the sample size thing for me, which uh, concerns me and Florida, you know, the name, the logo on the helmet and on the jerseys did not match the discipline and ability on tape last year. That was a very undisciplined uh, defense and special teams, which showed time and time again, last season, not just against Samford. The uh, what's interesting to me is could you have double dipped in a couple spots here? You know, you wanted a traitsy edge rusher. Okay, well, how about Amari Barno? You know, he went not too much later, I think, in the sixth round. Amari Barno, let me look him up at edge. Uh, Dominique Robertson also. I yeah, Dominique Robertson was another one. And I was going to say one more was Kingsley and Igbari, but uh, um, Amari Barno is all the way at the top because I've got it sorted the by uh, first name. Mari Barno was 6'5", 246, and went 4'3", 6". You want to talk to me about traits in the sixth round? How about that guy? 
Oh, we already got a guy. Okay, get another one. Um, you know, Especially Dominic Robinson, fans. edge. Or, uh, you know, Matthew Butler, big defensive line. Uh, again, could you have gotten some of those guys? I, I would have, I wouldn't, I would rather have taken a swing on a guy like Barno and still gotten, you know, unless, you know, they got a mole in, in, uh, in somebody else's war room saying, you better take this guy or, you know, if you really like him, cause we're about to take him. I don't know. It, it doesn't, doesn't make a ton of sense to me that it just feels like it was a bit of a reach. Now, if you can play, you can play, but could you have gotten him anyway? Yeah. And then, you know, and then, and then watch these other guys, you know, Amari Barno might not be anything. Dominic Robinson might not be anything. Matthew Butler might not be anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I'd like to take a chance on a guy that's 6'5", 246 pounds, running a 4'3'6", drop him on the practice squad for a year and see what I got. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that adds up to me. Um, again, that one's a little bit head-scratching, but I think Broncos country is going to enjoy him as well because he's mm-hmm. a good story, no doubt, and he's fun. Um, there's yeah, no doubt about watching him. He should be an upgrade right away. Immediate yep. dividends, which is the di- which is a difference there, Nick. Again, could you have gotten them a little bit later? Yeah, and uh, not to be going down too far down a rabbit hole here because we're already at an hour and we have two more picks to kind of go over. I don't think I'm going to spend very much time on uh, Hicks as well, though for Wisconsin. More interested in Matt Henningsen. Um, but last night, agreed. Uh, I agreed to Natalie that we're going to watch the first six seasons of Grey's Anatomy, which is a lot of TV. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> That's been my life. It's been football and Grey's Anatomy on my in my free time uh, during the rainy you season. Which you, I'm not you can have your own shows. Yeah, that's true. I, you know what my own shows are, Scott? Watching tape, watching football. Yeah, I that is, I don't. There's very few shows I watch with my wife. There's yeah. like two or three in the last ten years. Uh, we spend a lot of time. That's a lot of uh, downtime. But I've um, also been married almost 25 years. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, big mistake, Nick. Yep. Here we go. But the, we were watching an episode last night. We're almost done with season six. And I've enjoyed it. Now, it's a, it, I, I always gasp uh, when we have the beautiful background. It's the most of, dangerous. Yeah. I'll, I'll get you a little secret here. It's the most dangerous hospital in the world. Yep. They everybody, all die. They all die. Um, but uh, one thing that stuck out to me here was uh, a big point they made. They had another surgeon that was coming in. And uh, in the end, the... Uh, chief of surgery went uh, ended up staying with the person who was already there versus the big wig that came in. And uh, why, why would you do that? Why would you not bring in the better, uh, the better surgeon loyalty? You're going to get loyalty from your people in here. And I think this is very much a loyalty pick, you know, George Payton tossing a bone uh, to Dwayne Stuke saying, if this is your guy, then this is your guy. And now he's got buy and he's got loyalty from the coaches. So uh, obviously the, everybody has to sign off on it, but these late round picks, you can kind of give them, assign them, to coaches, especially when you have three of them in this fifth round range. So I think this is very much a Dwayne Stukes. We went out there and got your guy. Now there's accountability and there's loyalty and a belief that he's going to go out there. He's going to listen to me. He values me, um, which I think really matters for this new fledgling uh, level relationship for this coaching staff in this front office. So yeah, I've seen, I've seen too much of the conversation of, you know, there were too many voices in here and everybody got their own picks. No baloney. I don't buy that for a second. These is these are still George Payton's draft picks. He's the one yeah. that's going to be held accountable for all these. His name is on it. If he doesn't like the guy, he's got first right of veto power. Yeah. He's not in there saying, "Okay, we can go special teams here. Who do you want?" Okay, no, I don't buy it for a minute. Is he taking information on guys? If George Payton didn't like this guy, he wouldn't have gotten drafted. So this is George Payton's draft. Make no mistake about it. Yeah, he can throw. I, think, I mean, he can. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get this guy for you. I like this guy. We can go this direction. But this is still George Payton making these draft picks. And George Payton would, you know, fall on the sword in publicly. But I think it's a different conversation in-house. 
mm -hmm. uh, versus, you know, the public perception. So I think this is very much, you know, turning turn it over. Oh, is this where we're going to go with your guy, Stukes? The Washington out of Sanford? Are you sure? All right, yeah. we like him too. Let's go get him. All right, let's let's call it call him. Um, which then is a it's still a collective decision, but I do think that there is ownership divvied out to uh, uh players. And speaking of ownership divvied out, uh Matt Henningsen coming in here, the sixth round pick, Wisconsin tested freaky, uh been more of a occupier. He's one of the reasons that Leo Chanel has been able to crash as well as he has over those A and B gaps along with uh, Dane Benton, who keep an eye out for him next year. Nose tackle for Wisconsin. Love him. Uh, but I like this Hennington pick. He's also brilliant. Uh, he already has his master's degree in engineering. He's a chemical and mechanical engineer there at Wisconsin. Uh, one of the, I think one of two uh, walk-ons to start as a freshman in the last 20 years uh, for Wisconsin as well. And a uh, good player here. And I love the doubling up with Abu Zarike as well. You get two gap and a half, two gapping type of nose uh, defensive linemen here with some versatility day three of the draft that's great value i think that's a great way to attack the draft so i really like the henning scene pick a lot and this sounded like it was very much a uh this is somebody that uh gosh who's broncos former uh bill collar bill kohler uh former defensive line coach now be a special assistant supervisor role uh was very much about uh matt henningson so uh i like the pick it's too late now, but you know what position he sounds like more of at 6'3, 298 pounds and a, a Rhodes scholar a center. He'd have center. been an incredible center. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah. Center. Um, but yeah, the issue is they run that, um, really heavy power scheme there at Wisconsin. He should have yeah. gone to Iowa and actually, oh, they had Tyler Linderbaum. I don't know what to tell you there. Um, but uh, he probably should have been a center. You're right. No, but he's, he's made the NFL and, uh, he's got a chance to, to be a contributor. And it sounds to me like, you know, he's got a long career in the sport as long a career in the sport as he wants. And uh, last pick here, Fayon Hicks uh, tested pretty well there at Wisconsin, played some boundary cornerback. I think his body type probably lends itself to the slot position. I'd be pretty shocked if Fayon Hicks made this roster this season, but very much could be a uh, somebody who you are hoping develops into a good slot corner that can take on for Kwan Williams after Kwan Williams' one-year contract this season expires. Yeah, again, uh, practice squad. Yep. You know, you're it's what 55 16 53 there's 70 players that'll be on the roster he could he, he looks like a practice squad guy special teams mm -hmm. again you saw where the special teams ranked in several categories last year let's get some guys that are gonna gonna upgrade the special yeah. teams units and he probably could here yeah absolutely so uh scott we're at an hour and 10 we've been going Long here, but I mean, gosh, it's draft season still. Uh, the post-draft, there's always so much information to talk about and process, and we're all processing it uh, just like all of you guys. Um, but uh, overall thoughts on the uh, the draft class, and I'm going to pull up the uh, athletic scores for Henningsen. I'm not sure if he has a spider graph because he was not drafted to the Combine, shockingly. He did pretty well down at the Shrine Bowl, um, but uh, I'll see if I can find it. General thoughts, though, Scott, before we get on out, and uh, then on Thursday, I think we can kind of go over the Broncos depth chart as a whole and kind of just kind of start to move slide guys around what we think is going to happen. I think, I think these, this draft is not going to end up as all drafts are. They're end up going to be judged by your top couple of picks. Uh, does Nick Benito become a contributor? If not to some of the guys they passed on become contributors, does Abraham Lucas end up being a 10 year starter. It's Travis Jones end up being a pro bowler at, at nose guard. Uh, Greg Dulcich, similar in vain, but I think he's got a chance to be a weapon right away. He's, he's big enough. He's strong enough and doggone it. People like him even if he looks like James Franco from Pineapple Express. So I think that's where it's going to be. And then, you know, what you get after that, and, and you mentioned Uzurike possibly going in there and getting some starting, you know, roles, or at least in this package, he's the number one guy. Yep. 
that's a little scary and exciting at the same time that your fourth round pick could end up being a, a major contributor, major contributor to uh, to your to one of your strong packages in a spot that requires so much leverage and strength. So again, we will see how it plays out. Uh, as always, it doesn't matter you know, who's picking where we're going to look back and say, this could have been an option. This guy could have been an option. This guy could have been an option. And in my case, it's for sure going to be two guys to keep an eye on with that number, that second overall pick, uh, the the second pick 64 is I would have gone Travis Jones or Abraham Lucas. Let's see the the career arc for those guys. Yep. And uh, here's the athletic scores for Hennington from the pro day. So always, you know, pro day isn't standardized like the combine is historically. Um, Weight, small. Yeah, bench, not great. And uh, it's the strength one here that kind of sticks out to me because he also doesn't have great arm length at 32 and a, I guess that would be 32 and three-eighths arm length. But the explosiveness, that's why they call it the explosion score with the vertical and the broad and the agilities here. um, So let's check his squat instead of his bench press. 22 reps of 225 is plenty strong for a bench press. Um, and, And if he's, you know, What's his squat if he's getting up almost 38 inches? Jesus Christ, at 300 yeah. pounds? Let's check those squat numbers and then give him a strength score. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing with the explosion scores, though, right? The jumps kind yeah. of yeah. lean into the squats. But uh, yeah, no, overall, I think a pretty good draft for the Broncos. Uh, you talk about the hindsight. I probably would have traded up. I mean, given what the Bengals, would they trade 63 and a six-round pick to go up and get uh, Cam Taylor Britt at 60? I would have beat that deal uh, with um, 64 and let's say they wanted a seven as well. You know, I, cause the Broncos six round pick was higher than the Bengals. I'd have been fine doing that. I probably would have gone up for Jake Jackson actually um, over Cam Taylor Britt, but it is what it is. Um, excited about this draft overall. And this is very much a draft that a lot of these guys should be contributing year one. It's not a lot of put on ice and we'll see again in 2023. This is, these guys have avenues to, to make an impact in the game and the field in 2022. So uh, long-term we'll see, but, I'm excited to see these guys this year. They should have ways to impact the game. And that's what you want for a team that the Broncos, this is a team that is right now ready to go this season to compete for Super Bowls, depending on coaching staff. I figure there's at least five guys that should see the field and packages right away. Nick Benito, Rush, Greg Dulcich, pass catching tight end, Tamari Mathis, special teams, Owezerike, defensive line, and uh, Montreal Washington as a returner. You yep. should see that's five that you should get contributing real, real early, uh, yep. which would make it a good haul, especially if you go on a nice deep playoff run and you got five contributors from your draft class that started at 64. That's a pretty good haul. It is. And uh, Gabe coming in here saying Peyton really went for the super seniors this season. It wasn't just uh, George Peyton. That was, this is a effect of this draft class overall. This was the oldest draft class uh, ever in the history of football because you, the sick bug option year, um, a lot of guys came back. So we always, it was the thing last year. Oh, the 2021 draft class is the smallest in history. Why? Because a lot of guys chose to exercise that extra year of eligibility and go back. So this was a deeper class this year, but it was also an older class because of that. So yeah, um, something to keep I, in mean, mind. I referenced Chip Smith uh, earlier who trains a ton of guys and he put a big Facebook post up. I'll, I'll share that tomorrow on my channel, yeah. just talking about it. But he says, there was over like a thousand players that had draftable grades this year because of so many red shirt, red shirts, you know, six year guys and, and, mm-hmm. and players like that coming in at the back end of things. So it was going to be tough, uh, but then there'll be a correction, you know, there'll be a correction. Maybe it, it's, it's a little leaner moving forward, but it was, 
it was a deep class because of the the six year guys. Yeah, that said, I think that uh, this draft class in general, maybe we because we got too close to it. Maybe we did start to first. It was like this isn't a very good draft class. Then it was like, actually this is a good draft class. I think maybe it was a little bit lesser than most years. Um, just because, and I'm reading the NFL here. Nobody wanted to deal 2023 picks. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted to deal those picks, which to me says that. And last year you saw 2022 picks going like hotcakes. No, nobody cared. Um, so I'm. That seems, saw a lot. That seems opposite to me, though. No one wanted out of this draft to go to 2023. Nobody wanted to give up 2023 picks. It was people wanted the 2023 capital. People were calling on that. Broncos were like, please give me 2023 capital. Nope, we're going to sit here and hold on to our 2023 picks. Well, the Broncos, again, what, where do we say the strength of this draft was? Defensive trenches, offensive edge rusher. Yeah. But, 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 but in the, in the grant, it was 50 to 150. Yeah. After yep. that, you know, maybe. But, you know, then it was so after 150, that's when the, the Broncos were trying to deal their sixth and, you know, their fifth, sixth, and seventh, not necessarily their second, third, and fourth. Well, they did try and move down some. Yep. Uh, but you know, going. Let me hit Ethan here real quick. Great show, everyone. Take care. Nice Stuart Smalley reference, Scott. Yeah, he's like that was like forty years ago. Daily yep. affirmations with Stuart Smalley, uh, Mike Myers. There, um, good stuff. But um, you know, and and Peter, one more question here. You know, saying, do you think that they thought they would drop to sixty four, just waited for who they drops to keep the additional draft picks? Um, Nick has talked before about them trying to trade up and down out of that sixty four spot, but didn't get quite the the right offer or deal that they wanted. Um, mm-hmm. ended up sticking put, and then you get a guy that's you know, six four, 250 pounds, and running low four fives. Not all yeah. bad, yeah. Nope, absolutely. Uh, so guys, we got to get on out of here. We're going to be live on Scott's channel tomorrow. Thank you for everybody who joined us today. Um, we appreciate you. Mike saying, uh, the Nito tape looks bad by tape. I don't mean the highlights, dude gets washed out every play. The past on Travis Jones didn't seem like a Peyton draft, even the only one to go off of. Um, we'll find out. Nick Benito mm-hmm. again. You're talking about 64. There is going to be some inherent flaws for any player at premium positions that late. Uh, That's the reason that I talk about, you know, you want to take your linebackers, your tight ends, your running backs there because those guys get pushed down. You can find good players at those positions at that point. Your edge rushers, cornerbacks, wide receivers, offensive tackles, probably going to have flaws because the good ones are going to go around one. Um, So Benito going to be a super sub player and um, has a way to go. But also um, I think the Broncos would tell you that too. I mean, you watch the, after those guys were drafted press conference and phone calls immediately they're saying, yep, you got to come in and get stronger. Yep. You got to come in and you have work to do to both Dulcich and Benito. So uh, definitely uh, they know that and they made the prospects know that they know that as well. So we'll be interesting. That's kind of the range that you're dealing with here in the draft though. So thank you guys so much for joining us today. Make sure you're following Scott and I on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. I am at Nick Kendall, eight MHH. Also follow us at huddle up pod and at mile high huddle, as well as at BFB underscore pod. Uh, that's our podcast Twitter account on there. So make sure you're following that. So you get the post podcast reactions, everything like that. Uh, follow us on Facebook, join our communities at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod. And please subscribe, like, and share to this channel on YouTube. Appreciate everybody coming in today for the support. Obviously draft is over, but we still got a lot of content coming your way. Um, I think at some point we're going to drop the, uh, the Monday show coming up here. Uh, I did talk with Chad about that yesterday as well, Scott. So I think Memorial Day, um, after that, we're going to go to our hibernation mode of uh, just Tuesdays and Thursdays again. Um, but that's okay. So will be a lot of talk about and uh, a lot of fun to hang out there. Just a little bit more sleep uh, for myself on Monday mornings. Which sure you will. Sure you I will. will. Take. You'll yeah. end up doing something else. 
Yeah, probably. Um, but thank you guys so much. Uh, we will see you tomorrow over on Scott's channel to talk about a very good uh, Falcons draft that I think make, looks better and better the more I think about it. So appreciate you guys. Uh, have a good one. Choose kindness. What's the rest of your day look like, Scott? What are you up to? Let me see. I'm probably going to watch a little bit of Champions League, Villarreal and Liverpool, uh, second leg. So I think Liverpool's got a 2-0 lead. And then uh, kid sports, softball game, baseball practice. Well, awesome. I'm going to live and let die tonight. Uh, <laughs> the usual. Paul, McCart- Paul, Paul McCartney. So that'll be yeah, fun. That'll be awesome. And uh, Thursday night, I'm going to be tired Friday morning, Scott. I'm just giving you a heads up. I'm going to go see Doctor Strange. My my uh, partner, Natalie, is a giant nerd. Uh, she loves the Marvel movies. So we're going to go see the premiere of Doctor Strange, whatever one it is. So I like them too, but she's a big nerd. <laughs> I tease her a lot. So love you guys. <laughs> um, have a good one. Uh, we'll see you Wednesday morning on Scott's channel. Uh, Until then, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country.